Welcome back, everyone, to the Chaos Ball Podcast, the only Major League Baseball podcast that is doing season previews. Yep, that's right, the only one. You heard it here first. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is the first of six installments of my season preview podcasts. We're starting with the AL Central. Uh, We will probably go subsequently to the NL Central next, and then we'll see after that what I want to do preview-wise. Why did I start with the Central? Uh, Random. Random choice for me. Um, Didn't want to start with the AL West. Did not want to start with the AL East. Those are a little have a little bit more to unpack. I don't know. AL Central's pretty approachable. It's pretty chaotic. Uh, but no, more importantly, it was a random choice uh, uh, that I chose on a whim. So here we are. The AL Central, I feel like has, I mean, past couple of years has definitely become the division of like, meh, you know. But last year. The Guardians took home the crown with 92 wins. Um, very good team. Uh, the, the rest of the division kind of underperformed. Like the Twins and the White Sox definitely were, were mild in what they were supposed to do expectation-wise. Um, and then other side of the coin, nobody really expected the Guardians to be that good. Uh, but they were. But they were. I will not talk about the Guardians first, however... I mean, this whole division is kind of a shit show, honestly. Uh, but every division, you know, at least gets one team into the playoffs. Uh, but projection-wise, pretty pretty modest division. I feel like the projections don't really know what to make of uh, both the Guardians and the White Sox, honestly. I mean, the White Sox have been underwhelming for years, years now. So, but enough talk. We'll get to the White Sox. How I'm going to kind of structure this is in front of me. I have a lot of stuff in front of me, first of all. Uh, I do like to to base, prediction-wise, a lot of things on projections. There's a lot of different projection systems now out there in in the wild. I mean, you have Baseball Prospectus and Pakoda. Um, I am a BP annual owner, so they have projections in there. Uh, but then, like, you can go on Fangraphs and look at projections. You can look at their depth chart projections, their steamer projections, the zip system projections. There's all kinds of projections out there. And by looking at all of them, because not one of them is going to be correct, 100% correct. But honestly, looking at all of them probably gives you a decent idea of what what this team might do. However, projections aren't perfect. Projections can't really factor in unforeseen consequences um, like phantom injuries or sometimes, I don't know, projections can't factor in the mental aspect of the game at all. Like a guy could just lose it one year, you know? Yeah, like pro- there's no projecting what happened to like Jesse Winker last year. You know, they're like every year there's guys who play over their projections by a lot and we're like, wow, how the projections get them so wrong? Sometimes projections nail it with players. Uh, it just depends. They're not perfect. They're just kind of a, a guideline, a good guideline, honestly, to what might happen in the season. As well as projections, I will get into uh, who these teams lost, either through trades or free agency this offseason or in the middle of last season for a couple of these 
teams' cases, uh, and then who they added, key additions. Uh, and then comparing somewhat what they've done last year, what they're going to do this year, I don't know. And vibes, you know. A lot of this is based on vibes. And then maybe I'll crack into some over-unders, you know. Don't bet on baseball, honestly. Especially baseball over-under win totals. Uh, it really is a crapshoot, but if you're going to, Listen to me and bet everything that I say, and you'll win 100% of the time. With that said, let's get into it. Let's just get cracking. The first thing I'm going to start with is the Detroit Tigers. As we know, Tigers are native to Detroit. Uh, we actually killed... No, I'm just kidding. They're not. However, a viral marketing stunt that the Tigers should do is release a bunch of Tigers in the city with uh, numbers on their back from each player on the Tigers team. Because what I've noticed from uh, Tigers games recently is there's really not very many fans at their games. I think really the only reason fans have been coming to their games for the last like five years is to watch Miguel Cabrera chase records. But honestly, uh, he, he's kind of passed all the records now. Like, he's kind of past the big milestones, and there's not another huge milestone for him to accomplish besides just him finishing his career in Detroit. Uh, but with with that said, let's get into these projections, shall we? So the Tigers last year, they went 66-96. and 96. Um, And then I'm going to highlight each of these teams, Pythagorean, records as well from last year and if you don't know what that is i know i've explained this before on the podcast but for any new listeners uh the pythagorean win loss record basically just measures the team's runs scored and runs allowed and gives a record spits out a record that theoretically is like what their record should have been if everything went right according to their runs allowed and runs lost so it's kind of a good indicator of did this team either get a little bit lucky? Did they just have a formula for winning a lot of close games? Or did they get unlucky? Did they lose a lot of close games? Is there you know, a, a problem with the team's culture? They can't win close games or whatever, or this got really unlucky. Uh, generally, Pythagorean win record is kind of... It's, it's generally pretty close. There's not huge discrepancies because generally runs scored versus runs against is a pretty good indicator of how good... And how many wins a team should have had, how many losses a team should have had. But I will be mentioning that because it's worth noting for some of these teams, like the Tigers, they won, theoretically, three more games than they should have uh, last year, which is impressive from a 66-win team to begin with. So from here on out, I will be referring to it as the Pythag. So their Pythag last year was 63-99, so... Theoretically, they, they won three more games than they should have last year. Uh, and then going into this season, they are projected to win 68. So 68-94 is roughly what they've projected at. I don't use one system of projections. I've kind of synthesized all of the systems of projections and thrown out a little average in there. Uh, but yeah, so projecting to be a pretty bad team again for for good reason. I mean... There's not a whole lot of quality top down in this team. There's some highlights for sure, but let's get into what what happened. I mean, honestly, honestly, this team last year was supposed to be better than than they were, uh, and and it seemed like every single player, almost every single player, just underperformed. 
it just seemed like an entire team of guys who you look at how you look at their track record or like their scouting reports and then you look at the numbers and it's like what went wrong like how could it go this wrong but it did and that's baseball sometimes but who who did they lose from last season so uh Yaimar Candelario is non-tendered Harold Castro is non-tendered Kyle Funkhauser was non-tendered and Will Castro was non-tendered then they lost Tucker Barnhart to free agency Daniel Norris to free agency who sneaky had a pretty good season last year uh they lost Drew Hutchinson uh they waived him and then he elected free agency and then the big ones here the big losses Andrew Chafin he opted out and went to free agency and he recently signed with the D-backs that's a big loss and then there was the trade that the Phillies made with the Tigers. Uh, the Tigers gave up Gregory Soto and Cody Clemens to the Phillies, and they got back Matt Vreeling and Donnie Sands, as well as Nick Maton. And then they also made another trade. They traded Joe Jimenez to the Braves for Jake Higginbotham and Justin Henry Malloy. So... As well as those ads from those trades, they also signed Matty Boyd. Again, again they traded him to Seattle last year uh, and then re-signed him again this offseason. Good good bring-back addition. Um, kind of a, a prove-it, go to Seattle, maybe pitch in the playoffs, and he's pretty solid for us uh, up, a, up here in Seattle. So they merited a re-signing, and they honestly they needed at least another arm in that bullpen with the guys they lost. Uh, they also signed Michael Lorenzen, who's fine. Michael Lorenzen is just an average starting pitcher who's also jacked, though. So that's a plus. What happened with this team last year? Uh, it's just a team that performed so poorly. And, like, the projections compared to the output, was there was such a big discrepancy. There was a lot of optimism going into this team, right? They, they might have been the most disappointing team last year in terms of, like, the expectations going into the season. Like, I don't think anyone had them making a run in the playoffs or anything. But you had Javier Baez coming into the team. You signed Eduardo Rodriguez. Those were kind of the two guys where it was like, oh, wow, they signed with Detroit. Go go Detroit. They're, they're trying to sign good players to decent money, honestly. And then you had the optimism of you knew this year you were going to see Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, two of their top prospects and two of the top prospects in baseball, making their debuts this year. Uh, so just a lot of optimism. And then like within months, of, within a couple months of the season, any optimism that the fans had going into the season, over. Dunzo. <laughs> just annihilated. Like, like I said, the whole team underperformed. It was honestly kind of crazy. Eric Haas ended up being their best hitter last season. Which, if if you told Tigers fans going into the season that Eric Haas was going to be your best hitter, they'd be like, oh, good Lord, please, no. But honestly, he was like, he was one of the lone bright spots, you know? He he was a great hit. He was not a great, I mean, no, he was a good hitter. He was a good hitter last year. Uh, it was just funny that he, out of all these people, uh was statistically their best hitter. I mean, Austin Meadows was good before he got hurt. Um, Torkelson was honestly pretty dreadful, got sent down, and then got called up later and looked solid later in the year for sure. And, and Riley Green had his moments this year, but no one really performed too well. I mean, obviously Javi Baez was his point to his one of the most failed seasons last year. 
It honestly wasn't a terrible Javi Baez season. It wasn't good. Uh, I thought some of his power would translate to extra base hits in that ballpark just because it doesn't play too well to home runs. But really, he was pretty dreadful. Uh, he was pretty dreadful for a guy they signed, hopefully, to be in the middle of their order for the next few years and as they usher in these young fellas, right? The interesting part and the lone bright spot on this team, like collectively, was the bullpen. The bullpen was great last year. Uh, they ended up, at the end of the year, they ended up eighth in the league in bullpen ARA. They just really didn't have that many leads to protect. So going into this season, the bullpen doesn't project to be that good again. So I imagine it'll take a big hit. I mean, they, they've retained some of the bullpen guys from last year. Um, Will Vest is still there. He had a pretty good season last year. Alex Lang uh, is probably projected to be their closer, I assume, and he has some pretty filthy stuff, um, pretty high K, high walk guy, I, th- I think, and I liked what I saw from him last year. Like They have like Reese Olsen projects to throw a lot of innings in their bullpen this year and looks to be pretty okay out there, like Jason Foley, I guess. The key is they lost Andrew Chafin, Gregory Soto, and Joe Jimenez, who were by far their three best pitchers last year in the bullpen and were honest, like across the league, that's why they had the eighth best bullpen ERA in the entire MLB. Those three guys were great. All of them are gone, which is not a bad thing. It's not an indictment on the Tigers. They're not trying to be good. So getting players out of both those guys is fine. Letting Andrew Chafin walk is unfortunate. But it's like, what's the point of having a good bullpen if you're really not going to have leads to protect? Like they had the eighth best bullpen ERA last year and they won 66 games. Like it really speaks to... Just wasted, wasted bullpen, uh, wasted bullpen effort last year. So the best thing they had from last season is gone this season. To be honest, uh, they didn't lose anyone in the rotation this year. Uh, they still project to roll out uh, Erod, like Spencer Turnbull, Matty Boyd. I'm assuming will return to starting for them. Um, Matt Manning is there still like they signed Michael Lorenzen, Tariq Skubal, like they go kind of deep in the starters. They're not like great starters, but they have like six or seven like guys who could start for them this year, which is fine. Uh, from last year, Casey Mize, as a lot of people probably know his name, he really highly touted prospect who came up in 2021, 2020, no 2020. He made his debut. I'm pretty sure. And then he had a great 2021 season, very promising from a young pitcher. Looked to take a step forward last year and literally threw five innings last year and got hurt and had to get uh, both back surgery and Tommy John, which is just not ideal. It was like he needed Tommy John. And they were like, well, if he's going to have recovery from that, we might as well fix this thing in his back, which is fair, understandable for sure just depressing uh he might not pitch at all this year which is just really sad uh i hope he does i hope i'm sure he'll rehab in the minors and they'll they'll take it from there and play it play it by ear but 
really upsetting for a promising young pitcher and especially for this rotation that kind of needs that. Uh, Matt, Matt Manning was a rookie last year who, I guess, not like a disappointing year. Just not not as good as I think a lot of people expected him to be. Not as, not as many strikeouts as I would have liked to see. Uh, right now, he probably projects to be their number five starter-ish. Um, it depends on what Lorenzo and Boyd do if they're coming out of the pen, if they're starting. I'm sure they'll continue to start Matt Manning as they want to continue his development, but just not... I don't know. He's young enough. You can convince himself or yourself that he'll improve, um, and hopefully he will. Uh, Tariq Skubal was probably their bright spot in their rotation last year. He was really good, especially at the start of the year. He was spinning the ball really, really well. Uh, And then he kind of regressed a little bit towards the latter half of the year. I think just he started giving up the long ball a little bit more. I think that's really his kryptonite is the long ball, but... He has a he's a really fun pitcher to watch. He, I think he probably long term projects to be their best pitcher. Him and Mize. So there's some some bright spots for the future in this rotation for sure. But overall, it's just not great. Just not great. Especially Eduardo Rodriguez. He was just bad last year. Just plain bad. And I I think he projects to be fine this year. It's just like eh, you know, it's not doing a whole lot for me. Just not doing a whole lot for me. And Spencer Turnbull, I actually like a lot. Honestly, I like Spencer Turnbull. It's just it's just a lot of mid. It's just a lot of mid here in this rotation. Uh, I don't I don't have much to say about their rotation, man. Going into this year, I mean, I'll get I'll get into their their hitters. Who do we have to look forward to? So, Javi Baez, will he do anything this year? Will he bounce back? I don't know. I just don't know. He just, he's, oh, he's never not going to be a guy who strikes out a lot and doesn't walk that much. And like I said, like, if he's not socking 30 dingers, there's not a whole lot of value because his defense kind of took a dip last year. Projections are all over the place with his defense this year. Like, I see him, I see some projections projecting him to be one of the better defensive shortstops again. I see some that are like, he's just going to be okay. I see some that's like, it's not going to make much of a difference. I just, if it, I just don't think he's going to change as a player much. He still has some pop in that bat, but again, it's like one of the hardest home run hitting ballparks in the league. So a lot of deep fly balls that he would connect with might be home runs somewhere else, like maybe in Chicago, but not in Detroit. Just a brutal hitter's park. Uh, the other, the, the guys I talked about, like the offensive outlook's pretty meh. Like Eric Haas is, is cool. Uh, I feel like a lot of people don't know about Eric Haas. Spencer Torkelson, again, just a dreadful start to the season. Uh, got set down to AAA, but then he came back up and he looked not, I don't want to say he looked every bit as advertised, but he looked good, like better than he did before he got sent down. Uh, he was connecting more with the ball, and when he hits the ball, he hits the shit out of the ball. He's so powerful. The raw power is totally there. Um, part part of his his woes last year is his defense at first, which was pretty dreadful. Uh, so maybe he can improve there, but I don't know. I'm, it's not like a pivotal season for him, but he's got to show he can hit the ball a little bit more and and barrel things up. 
better than he did last year. And then his rookie counterpart last year, Riley Green, he looked fine. Like he he looked like he belonged in the bigs, which is which is good. Like he he didn't look super lost out there. He started a little slow, but he showed his hit tool a little bit. Like he showed that he can definitely hit. Um, had a pretty average season at the plate, but honestly not that bad from a a rookie. Uh, I think there were a lot of expectations on him coming into this year, especially where it was like, hey, we're going to call you up. You're going to be the starting uh, center fielder or whatnot. You know, and it's a lot of expectations put on uh, on a rookie, but he, he was fine. He projects to be all right this year. Uh, I'd like to see those K numbers go down a little bit more. Uh, intrigued to see if he does anything with a swing or if he keeps it the same. Uh, defensively, I think he was all right. It's just, I don't know, it's a pretty demanding outfield out there in Detroit. Um, but, you know, fine. Riley Green, I, I, I do like him. I think he will have uh, improvements this year. And really, that's all you're, all you're looking for from these guys is just making steady improvements because, again, they're – it's not a make or break year for these prospects. It's we're still going to be bad. We're still going to work on developing you. It's just I don't know. It's not a very good outlook. And then Akil Badu, what a di- like a disappointing season from him last year. He comes out in 2021. He has a breakout somewhat out of nowhere. He has this breakout year where he has a what like a it was like a 111 wrc plus at the end of the year like a two war season just a really solid approach at the plate like he walked a decent amount the k numbers was pretty high but he showed a little bit of pop but more importantly he showed he has some gap power in that ballpark he showed that he kind of belongs at the major league level he was good on the bases i think he swiped like almost like 15 20 bags that year and then he comes out of last year and so below average, he got hurt, didn't look good at the plate, like his strikeout numbers went up, his slugging went down, his on-base went down, everything went down, like majorly everything went down. His defense, honestly, I think improved last year, but his offense just did not look good, so I don't know what to make of Akil Badu. Uh, and then you have these two additions, Matt Reeling and Nick uh, Maton. Uh, both serviceable guys who uh, honestly were great in that Philly clubhouse and fantastic guys in a World Series run where it's like they're not the superstars, but they're guys who can fill in the gaps and do what they do really well. So Nick Maton, very good defensive uh, shortstop, third baseman, middle infielder. Um, he, yeah, I mean, he doesn't offer a whole lot at the plate. Uh, he can he can get on base at a decent clip, um, but defensively he's great. And then Matt Reeling is kind of the other other side of that. Matt Reeling is is a a good hitter. He doesn't strike out. He strikes out below league average, still a decent amount, but has had a decent slash line in his career. Creates some some value at the plate, but is not great defensively. So kind of two two sides of the coin there with that trade. Uh, but he'll fill in in the outfield where he can. And then with Mayton, I assume, I mean, he can play in the outfield too, the corner spots, but I assume he'll play second, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But both those guys will provide some value there for sure. I'm looking forward to watching Eric Haas again this year from the catcher position. Just a really good year at the plate for him. 
can definitely improve as a catcher, but he is pretty young. Or not, he's not young. He's young in his major league career. He's I, I want to say he's like 29. He was one of those uh, rookies a few years ago that came up with the with Cleveland and didn't quite pan out, and they got rid of him. But he, <clears throat> from 2021 and 2022, he improved his offensive game, and he looks like a pretty solid hitter up there. So maybe DH first base is in his future because I don't know about his defense behind the plate. Uh, and then interestingly enough, they actually called up another good prospect last year in the DH and outfield spot in September, and his name is Kerry Carpenter. Watch out for this guy this year. I This might be I'm, – I'm excited. I'm excited to watch him this year. Really insane raw power, at least from what I saw on Kerry Carpenter. He came up last year. He hit six bombs in 30 games. Uh, struck out a decent amount, but it seems like he might be a high strikeout, uh, three true outcome guy, you know, walk, strikeout, home run. Uh, really above average at the plate. Like, good approach. Just looked comfortable up there. Had a really good month in September to close out the year. So I think Detroit can be pretty encouraged about that. He projects to not put up the crazy numbers he did when he initially came up, but be like a solid bat uh, that can maybe anchor that lineup for a while at the DH spot. So I'm intrigued to watch Kerry Carpenter for sure. But honestly, even if everything went right for this team, I still, there's not a whole lot to be excited about. So let's examine their over under for a second. These over unders are, I'm getting them from BetMGM, not a sponsor. But like BetMGM, slide into my DMs, all right? Um, They are projected, not projected, they are over under according to BetMGM is 69.5 wins. Nice. I am going to take the under. This team is not good. This team is not going to be good. I'm just looking for a couple of those guys to show that they belong at the major league level and they uh, can stay up the whole year looking at you, Spencer Torkelson, but... That is it for the Tigers. Let's move on to the Kansas City Royals. Now, the Royals down with the Tigers in the slop of this division. Last year, they won 65 games. They went 65 and 97. Their Pythag was 64 and 98, so kind of played right on to what they're expected to do. And this year, they expect to do essentially the same thing. They're projected for around 66 and 96. So... Key additions this offseason for the Kansas City Royals. They signed Aroldis Chapman. They signed Jordan Lyles. They signed Ryan Yarborough. They signed Zach Granke again. And then they made a trade with the Red Sox. They got Jacob Wallace and Josh Taylor back for Adelberto Mondesi and Wyatt Mills. Go Zags, by the way, Wyatt Mills. And then they also made that trade with the Twins. They gave up Michael A. Taylor. Went to the Twins for... Jacob Wallace and, or no, I just said that. Sorry, my bad. Evan Sisk and Steven Cruz came back to the Royals in that trade. And then they also lost Ryan O'Hearn this year in a trade with the Orioles. The Royals are kind of like the Tigers, but with a little bit more spice, a little bit more flavor, a little bit more optimism. They, similar to the Tigers, are bad by design. And they had a lot of rookies last year come up and play on the team. 
And unlike the Tigers, I am quite intrigued by the rookies on this Royals team. Like, they had a lot of them come up this year. And uh, there's a couple of them that I really like. Uh, this team, again, bad by design, but I, I think they're heading in the right direction hitter-wise. The pitcher development with the Royals organization in the past few years is, is tough. It's a tough look, but we'll get into that. Uh, they're... I mean, still in the rebuild for sure, but I think they'll look to build on uh, the seasons their rookies contributed last year. So another uh, key departures mid-season last year, they got rid of Ben Attendee mid-season, Carlos Santana, and Whit Merrifield. So three of their better hitters gone mid-season. Uh, rookies made way for them. They were pretty decent contributors to the team. Obviously not with the team for 2023. So this team is really all about youngins. All about youngins. Um, Michael Massey is fun. Second baseman. Um, Nick Prato made his debut. Didn't look amazing. I think he got sent back down. He, he kind of slots in at first. But there's this other guy. Vinny Pasquantino, baby. He was playing first base for them. Vinny Pasquantino, eh? Playing for Team Italy. Playing for Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic. All right. I love Vinny Pascantino so much, guys. I am such a big fan. He, defensively, kind of a disaster. Um, I, I expect him to get a lot of DH this year with potentially Nick Prado playing first, but I'm sure he'll start at first base. I'm sure he'll start at first base. He, if you haven't watched Vinny Pascantino play baseball, you should. Uh, when he connects with the ball, he connects with the ball. His offensive value is off the charts. He put up 132 WRC plus last year. That is pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. He just looks so, like a solid classic first base DH slugger from the left side of the plate. Uh, and he walked just about as much as he struck out last year, which is wild. So really good approach at the plate. Really patient, doesn't swing a lot of pitches out of the zone, really powerful. Just looks like a fantastic all-around offensive player for sure. Uh, they ha- And then a couple other rookies. Uh, I'll get into, you know, the, the two other big ones. But um, I do want to touch on Michael Massey. I expect him to play a lot of second base this year for them. He, he came up last year and looked pretty solid. Uh, Kyle Isbell came up last year in the outfield, much like Nick Prato Prato didn't look amazing, but I, he expects to play a lot of um, a lot of baseball this year in the outfield for the Royals. Probably with Michael Taylor gone from center field and another rookie, Drew Waters hurt. Uh, I think he'll start the year in center field for them, which is a lot to ask. But I assume he will slot into the corners or the bench when. Um, this guy, Drew Waters, comes back. So, Drew Waters came up last year. Another rookie. He came up in September, I want to say. Another guy who just looked good at the plate defensively. A lot of responsibility in center field. Um, but, honestly, he looked pretty good at the plate. Struck out quite a bit. Walked a decent amount. But when he hit a ball, he hit a ball. Uh, he hit five home runs in 23 games last year. He had a 125 WRC+. plus. Obviously, very small sample, but... Um, looked decent last year and potentially could be their center fielder for the next four or five years going forward. Maybe if he improves that defense a little bit, um, 
So so the rookies, Isbell and Preto need a little bit more development, honestly, before they really impress me at the big league level. I really like Michael May, Massey, Macy at second base. They'll all get meaningful playing time this year uh, because the Royals kind of got rid of position players last year and this offseason. And so there's like next next guy up. It's the rookies. It's the young guns turn. Uh, their window's not open yet for contention. Uh, they'll be bad again this season. But the optimism is there. So I talked about Vinny Pasquantino, a very good bright spot on this team. Other rookie that most people obviously know of is Bobby Witt Jr., uh, the number one prospect in baseball last year. Struggled out of the gate. Struggled out of the gate for sure. But throughout the year, he really looked like he settled into playing Major League Ball. He looked like he put in work and just honestly steadily, steadily improved as the year went on. He put up a 20-30 season as a rookie, 20 home runs and 30 stolen bases. That is wildly impressive. Uh, And only five guys have done that, I'm pretty sure, ever. And one of them was Mike Trout, decent baseball player. His defense at short leaves a little bit to be desired. Obviously, I think he'll put in work to improve. I see him, honestly, more as the third baseman going forward in his career than a shortstop, but his bat definitely looks like it plays, and that speed is legit. He was one of the fastest guys in the league last year. Oh, and he also he put up the 20-30 season exactly, precisely 20 home runs and 30 steals. Did not waste anything over that. Um, so projects to make some improvements this year. He's another exciting guy along with Vinny Pasquantino to watch. Uh, he projects, again, to have another 20 to 25 home runs, you know, 25 to 35 steals. Maybe that'll increase a little bit with uh, the bases being bigger. I would like to see him take some more walks, but otherwise I he provides a lot of value at the plate and on the bases, and I think the defense will come along. Uh, he's clearly one of the more talented kids in baseball right now for sure, for sure. And then another rookie I want to talk about, a catcher, MJ Melendez. Uh, he, he plays outfield too, but I think as they transition Salvador Perez out of the catcher position, they will transition MJ Melendez into the catcher position. He played a little outfield last year. Uh, I think he played the majority of the games at catcher, but he played a little bit of left, a little bit of right, because... Can't play all the games of catcher with Salvador Perez there. Um, I think he had a pretty he had a pretty solid season for uh, rookie catcher coming up and projects to be pretty solid. He has a decent walk rate in his career in the minors. Strikes out around league average. Uh, his power looks like it plays a little bit. It's just defensively. That is my only thing is defensively. I don't know what he projects to be as a catcher. Um, A lot of people probably know more than me whether he actually will be a good catcher or not. I do think they'll give him more run at the catcher position. It's just a lot of times you're you're looking for steady improvements defensively from a rookie catcher. Uh, You're not expecting him to be a whiz defensively immediately, especially at that position. But he showed a lot of flashes last year with his bat and at the plate. That is very encouraging, um, especially up the up the middle in those positions. Catcher, catcher, shortstop, center field. They have guys at those positions 
who are young and don't look like they're completely lost out there. So they got they got some dudes for the future, and if they continue their development, they'll have a decent. They have a decent young core on their hands. I'll say it. They have a decent young core on their hands right now. What will they do with it? Is really the kicker here. Oh, and I forgot to even t- I, got, I forgot to even say I have more stuff on Vinny Pasquantino. This is a chaotic podcast already. Of course it is. Uh, his OPS last year was tenth overall in first base in the league. And then, as I mentioned, so it was just like half a season. It was like 300 play appearances. So a decent sample size uh, that we can take a little bit of learnings from. He struck out 34 times and walked 35 times. That is amazing. Fantastic from a rookie. Are you kidding? That's awesome. Like, uh, I'll compare him to Max Muncy. I'll compare him to Max Muncy, an on-base machine who, when he connects with the ball, oh, he dicks on it. I am just excited to watch this Royals offense this year. I watched them a little bit last year. I will be watching them more this year because of all these guys I've mentioned. And then Salvador Perez, again, I didn't even mention him. He's still on the team. He's still on the team, and he still is a great hitter and pretty decent defender. He's still just a solid catcher at the big league level, which is awesome. Uh, very likable dude. It's It's the pitching in the bullpen where things start to go awry for this team. They have Brady Singer, who is their ace, and I like Brady Singer. Is he an ace? No. Uh, is he a good pitcher? Yeah, he's a good pitcher. Um, he is a pretty heavy ground ball guy, gets a lot of ground balls, um, doesn't give up that many home runs. He strikes out guys at a decent clip. He's just a good pitcher who will throw a lot of innings, too. Same with Zach Cranky. Zach Cranky at this stage in his career is still a good pitcher who will throw a lot of innings. They signed Jordan Lyles. They signed Ryan Yarborough, both guys who can throw baseballs at the major league level. They have Daniel Lynch. They have Brad Keller. They have Chris Bubich. uh, It's just like, it's not good. The pitching is really not good. And I don't have much else to say. I think Jordan Lyles was assigning to just throw innings for them. So, and they, they don't have young guys right now on this team that look to be making their debuts soon who are like a top prospect. So there's just not much to say about their pitching. Their bullpen, again, mid. They have Scott Barlow, who I don't think a lot of people know about. He had a really good season last year. He's their closer. Uh, He had a very good season last year. It was a similar Detroit Tigers situation where it's like there wasn't a lot of leads for him to protect but he, his expected numbers were uh, a decent amount higher than his actual numbers, but even those numbers were good. Uh, and he had a very good year in the bullpen for them and has some very good stuff. So he projects to still be pretty good. Uh, Roldis Chapman, they signed, projects to be still, you know, high strikeout, high walk, still throws really hard guy. They have this guy, Dylan Coleman, who he, he's, he's not bad. Josh Taylor... Taylor Clark, Angel or Angel Zerpa, Amir Garrett's still on this team. Richard Lovelady. Yeah, that's a name. He's on this team. I don't know. I, the pitching's bad. The pitching is bad. I don't have much to say about their pitching. Watch the Royals this year for the offense and the rookies and the young fellows on their offense. So I 
I mean, I might be higher on this team than a lot of people. Their over-under is set at 68.5, and and you know what? I will take the over. I'll take the over. I, I just like the offense. I like the offense, honestly. I think it's good enough to win them 69 games. So that's my take, and those are the Royals. Now we will transition to the Chicago White Sox. Talk about a team that disappointed. Good Lord. The Chicago White Sox, if you're a fan of baseball, you've been hearing nothing about, or nothing but, oh man, if they put it all together. Scary. Scary World Series team. Did I pick them to go to the World Series in 2021? You betcha. I did. I made that claim. Did they? No, absolutely not. Last season, they went 81-81, and which I am so surprised that they went 81 and 81 their pythag was 78 and 84 so they played a little bit above what they're supposed to but if if you asked me what their record was and i like didn't know at the end of last season i would have guessed they won like 74 games they played bad baseball last year due in part to a a lot of injuries a lot of injuries with Guys who shouldn't have been playing that many games at the major league level filling in. And then B, Tony La Russa. Uh, he's gone, so that's good. He's out of there. That hire was confusing. Everyone at the time of that hire said it was bad. And it turned out to be bad, not surprisingly. Uh, I think he was part of why they played bad baseball. That might have been good baseball, you know, 20 years ago when Tony La Russa was cooking. But now, he's just not up to snuff with the modern game, and they just honestly played bad baseball. Like, it's hard to describe. It's more of a... a, You had to watch the White Sox, because there's so much talent on this team, right? There's so much talent on this team, yet they were really not good, uh, and they would just make errors. Like, the bullpen management was pretty questionable. It was just a tough... Another tough season from the White Sox whose fans are so are just clamoring to make the playoffs with this core that they brought up. They were so bad for so many years. And they stocked their farm with all these good prospects. And they've been somewhat as advertised, but hurt mostly. Uh, but let's get into who they added. So they re-signed Elvis Andrews. Uh, from last year's team. Uh, Their big signing was Andrew Benintendi. They signed him to play the outfield for them, so he will probably slot in a right field. Uh, They also made a trade with the Red Sox. They traded for Franklin Herman, and they traded away Theo Dellinger. You don't need to know who those guys are. It's okay. Then they made a trade with the Giants. Uh, They traded for Gregory Santos, and they traded away Cade McClure again. You don't know. You don't need to know who those guys are. And then, of course, they also signed Mike Clevenger, who I will not speak about. He is with the team, pending investigation from the MLB about his case that is happening right now. I will not talk about Mike Clevenger. He only adds to the bad vibes of this team right now. Adam Engel left, non-tendered. Danny Mendick, non-tendered. Then they lost Johnny Cueto, uh, Vince Velasquez. Josh Harrison, who their club he they declined his club option, and then the big loss through free agency was Jose Abreu signed with the Astros. 
just the vibes are not good with this team. The projections have them around 76 wins. Like, the projections really don't like them. I think they're honestly finally factoring factoring in all the injuries. Like, when I say injuries hampered this team, you can kind of say that for most teams uh, in sports every year, where it's like, oh, if some of the injuries didn't go or, or, you know, went the other way, if they didn't get hurt, we would have put together a little bit of a better season. But every single player on this White Sox team got hurt last year, and no one was really surprised by it. Elo got, Eloy Jimenez, he got hurt again. He's always been hurt. Yohan Makata, same thing, got hurt again. Uh freaking Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, Michael Kopech, um, Dylan Cease was really healthy. Lance Lynn got hurt, was out for most of the year. Lucas Giolito got hurt. Like, it's just tough. All of their best players got hurt. Uh, and also this team is weird. This team, there's just a lot to unpack with this team. Because... You look at it, and it's like, man, this team should be better. Part of it's injuries. Part of it is just, it's weird. Like, these players look like they should hit for more power, but they just don't slash didn't last season. Like, their their home run leader last year was Andrew Vaughn with 17 home runs. Like, you look at Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Gavin Sheets, Moncada, Luis Robert. They all should be hitting for more power than they are. But then you look at it, games played. You look at the games played, Andrew Vaughn played 134. Eloy played 84. Moncada played 104. Sheets played 124. Like, Jose Abreu was the only guy on this team who played a full season. He played 157. Luis Robert played 98, and half of that was he was hurt. There's just so much that went wrong with this team. There's so much that could have been prevented they were obviously pushing hard to make the playoffs because you have two guys. You have guys like Luis Robert and Michael Kopech, uh, two of the most highly touted prospects that the White Sox have ever brought up in baseball. And you can see why. You can see the talent. The talent is there. Uh, but Michael Kopech, they had pitching on essentially a torn meniscus for a lot of the year last year until they finally shut him down. And Luis Robert... They had him pitching with a hurt thumb uh, for half the year when clearly he looked terrible at the plate when he was hurt. Obviously, just shut him down. Like, the having them play through that was just such a poor decision. And is are all these injuries, some I'm willing to bet is luck. Some is like, is it a trainer problem? Is it their, like, physio staff? Like, is that the issue? They I've heard they recently... Um, added like a sports science department in their front office, which indicates to me they're a little behind in the recovery and health player-wise, which is not surprising. I don't know, man. This team's confusing. Like, best case scenario, this team could win 95 games and win the World Series. Worst case, they could win 70. I think, obviously, these guys will get hurt again. But then it's not even that. It's uh, it's it's weird how they all fit onto this team because the defense was very poor. The defense was very poor last season. Eloy Jimenez should never play in the outfield in his life. He is a DH. He came up as a prospect who was like, oh, he's fantastic at the plate, at the dish. He can hit. 
He's fine on the bases. His defense is terrible. He came up with the fact that he was going to stay in the league based on his bat alone. It's especially hard because it's it's the numbers for right-handers in the where the White Sox play, their home ballpark, is a little bit hampered. So they have a lot of these right-handed power hitters who they slapped into a ballpark that doesn't really hit, doesn't isn't super favorable for a right-handed power hitter. It's more favorable for a left-handed power hitter, which they signed Andrew Benintendi, who is not a power hitter. But so they had Andrew Vaughn, a rookie, who raw power off the charts. I mean, he hit 17 home runs last year in 120 whatever games. That's fine. He probably will hit more this year. He was playing the outfield last year and was dreadful, dreadful in the outfield. But he couldn't play his position first base because Jose Abreu was obviously playing first base. So that is what I'm intrigued about, specifically for Andrew Vaughn this year, is Jose Abreu's gone. So Andrew Vaughn will play a lot more first base, which will only up his value because if he's bad defensively at first base, fine. He was so bad in the outfield last year. Uh, and then you have Eloy, where you need Eloy to DH. You you can't continue to play him in left field. He's just so bad. But he's going to have to again because you have no one else really to play in the outfield for him that you trust. I mean, they have, like, this dude Oscar Colas, who will probably make his debut this year. He's a rookie outfielder. You have Benintendi, but he'll play right field for Vaughn, and Vaughn will play first. But then you you say that, and then it's like, oh, man, where is Gavin Sheets going to play? Gavin Sheets should probably DH slash play first base and not play in the outfield because he was pretty bad in the outfield too. But guess where he plays? Right field, where Benintendi's going to play. The pieces just don't entirely fit on this team. Uh, Moncada, I'm gonna talk like Moncada has just disappointed me. Like power numbers wise, it, potentially he looked like a 25 home run guy from both sides of the plate, and now it just looks like he doesn't really want to hit for that much power. Uh, I think he's still a decent hitter, but sheesh, it's just what is what has happened? Like. And second base has always been an issue. They had Josh Harrison playing there last year. I think, I guess this season they might put put some Elvis, put some Elvis Andrews back at second base, I guess. He didn't play any second base last season. He played all short because Tim Anderson was hurt for most of the year. But we know that's what Tim Anderson is going to be. Um, Tim Anderson is going to hit for average and be a pretty good defender and be a solid player when he's on the field. But he hasn't really put together a full season of baseball since, I want to say, 2018. Uh, just Elise LaRusse is out of there. You know, Elise LaRusse is out of there. Uh, they got this dude, Pedro Grifal. He's from the Royals bench coach. He's talked a lot about back-to-playing fundamental baseball. Just got to play good baseball. They even begin to try to make the playoffs, and that's encouraging. I mean... They won 81 games last year with all the injuries they had, which is honestly pretty impressive. Uh, Part of it was they had one of the better bullpens in baseball. And their rotation was pretty good. I mean, it got hurt, but Dylan Cease was fantastic. He's a Cy Young pitcher. He is going to throw close to 200 innings with really high strikeout numbers. And he's one of my favorite players to watch pitch right now. He's awesome to watch pitch. 
Lance Lynn was hurt for a lot of the year last year. Um, he came back towards the end of last year and looked way more like Lance Lynn, which was encouraging. So he projects to be better this year for them. Giolito's confusing. He came up as a super highly tired prospect and was wildly disappointing. Um, one of the worst pitchers in the league in 2018, and then he completely changed his approach. He started throwing that changeup a lot more and up in the zone, and he was like a Cy Young candidate in 2019. And obviously, the 2020 season happened, but he was good in the 2020 season, and he was good last season. And then last year, he comes out, and he posts an almost 5 ERA. His FIP, to be fair, was like 4, so he wasn't that bad of a pitcher compared to what his raw numbers said, but... Just a disappointing year. He was missing less bats. He was walking more guys. He at least pitched like 170 innings-ish. So I guess that's something. It was just disappointing. Again, like this whole team underwhelmed. Like I said before, they got Michael Kopech. Again, this guy who, another highly touted prospect. He missed all of 2019 with Tommy John. And then he comes out last year. and he's he, Or 2021. And he, he throws... 70 innings and looks fantastic, but only throws 70 innings. Um, and I was out of the bullpen. And then he starts last year, and he throws 120 innings. But most of that, he was hurt. Again, he was pitching on a torn meniscus, basically. Uh, and just didn't look amazing because he was pitching on a torn meniscus. Like, he looked fine for doing that. It's just injuries, injuries, injuries. And then there's the bullpen has questions right now. Aaron Bummer is one of the better relievers in baseball. He's great, um, but he started later in the year. He started looking more like a guy who's going to walk a lot of guys compared to striking them out, which is discouraging, but he projects to still be pretty solid this year. Liam Hendricks, we have no idea what to make of him right now. Uh, he's going through that treatment for uh, cancer. He's with the spring training team, I think. He... Um, he does workouts apparently and throws the ball occasionally just to keep fresh, but everyone in baseball is obviously wishing him the best and, and hoping for a speedy recovery there, but obviously you don't know and you can't really project what you're going to get out of him this year. Joe Kelly's out there. He'll still be pretty solid. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez can throw the ball pretty well. He's good. Like Their bullpen projects to be good. I think that is part of the reason why they might win a decent amount of games this year. Like, Kendall Graveman uh, is solid. Garrett Crochet is a really big question mark for me and a lot of um, a lot of scouts. He, he's, he's got elbow issues, but when he pitches, he's huge, first of all. I think he's like 6'7 or something. He's huge, left-hander. <clears throat> His fastball and slider grayed out at 70, which is elite. Uh, he projects to be... One of the best late-inning bullpen options in baseball. Win healthy. Win healthy, of course. Win healthy. We'll see what he can give this year. He was hurt last year a little bit. And just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this team. It's hard to, that's why projections aren't fair. Because they can't factor in injuries that just happen. So, what to make? It's also just, it, at least they're in this division. It's not one of the harder divisions in baseball. You're going to be playing a lot less of this division this year, though, which is the issue with the new scheduling. So, the White Sox. I don't know. It's again a team that if everything goes right, this team can be really good. Uh, but obviously, not everything will go right. 
So you're hoping for health, but I still see the defense as a huge issue. Um, Luis Robert doesn't look like an amazing defensive center fielder. Tim Anderson is getting older and his defense is declining. Eloy is terrible defensively. Yasmani Grandal is getting older. His framing numbers are still good. Uh, Benintendi's defense is, is fine. I think it grades out as average, which is good. Um, Elvis Andrews defensively is pretty good. How much will he play over over Tim Anderson? Will be will he be a strict backup or will he get some play at second? I don't know who plays second. Uh, they had this they had prospect Romy Gonzalez play second last year. I think. I get, I don't know. I, this team confuses me. They like Jake Berger can play second. I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm done toiling over this team. I for one hope that those guys are healthy for their sake. They're over under is set at eighty four and a half. I will be taking the under. I. I just, the vibes are just not good going into this year. I think we can expect injuries. But I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if Dylan Cease repeats the insane year he had last year. He'll still be their best pitcher, but I don't know what will happen. This team is just risky. This team is risky. And in a division where you're competing with two other teams of similar skill than you who had better years than you last year, well, no, that's not true. The Guardians had a better year. The Twins did not. Uh, it, I don't know. They're not better than the Guardians. And the wild card in the AL is so solid. It's so solid. Even with the extra spot, they're not a better team than the Mariners or the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Rays. They're in kind of that. I don't know, they give me Angels vibes, but they don't have Shohei or Mike Trout. <laughs> so, I'm done. I'm done talking about the White Sox. Let's move on. Let's move on to the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins, yeah. Another disappointing team last year. They went 78-84. and 84. Uh, Their Pythag was 82-80. and 80. So, realistically, they, they won... Four less games than they should have. Uh, and then they're projected around 84 this year. So a lot of movement this offseason for these Minnesota Twins. Um, obviously, there's this dude named Carlos Correa. And they lost him through free agency only to get him right back at a discounted price. The funniest thing that could possibly happen in baseball right now is Carlos Correa retroactively fails his physical. It's like, wait, hold on. We don't actually like the ankle. Never mind. He's off the team. Nah, that's not going to happen. But boy, imagine that. Uh, this team is interesting. Similar to the White Sox, kind of underwhelming last year. Um, but with better health. Better health. Then the White Sox yet underwhelming. Uh, feels like a team that's right there. That's just in that wild card conversation with a couple guys stepping up to potentially 
catapult them into winning this division, which I honestly think is in reach, but things would have to go right. So their their key addition, obviously, this offseason was bringing back Carlos Correa. So that's huge. That's huge for this team. Uh, but they were one of the more active teams this offseason. So they recently signed Donovan Solano, but then two other free agent signings they got were Joey Gallo and Christian Vasquez. I like Vasquez as a backup here. Um, or I guess right now he's the starter because they lost Gary Sanchez to free agency and he still hasn't been signed anywhere. So actually, yeah, Christian Vasquez projects to be their, their catching option right now to start, which is fine. Christian Vasquez is a good defensive catcher. Offensively, I think his offensive prime is past him. But defensively, he's still a solid guy behind the plate for sure. So that was a good addition. And then I like taking a card on Joey Gallo. Uh with the shift being being shifted, you know, with more pull-heavy lefties probably getting a little bit more base knocks, why not take a one-year deal with Joey Gallo and just kind of figure it out, right? He kind of, I guess, he'll, and he's still good defensively. The issue I have with this team is just the outfield is cluttered. It is cluttered. There's a lot of outfielders on this team, but I'll get into that in a second. So they obviously made some some trades. So they traded uh, for Michael A. Taylor from the Royals uh, for Evan Sisk. And then they also made a trade. It was a huge one. They got Kyle Farmer from the Reds for someone. Casey Lugamina. Uh, And then another huge trade they made. Uh, They traded for Alejandro Hidalgo from the Angels. Uh, for Gio Urshela, that was an interesting one. Oh, and there was that small one with the Marlins. Oh, yeah. No, the hu- that was a huge trade. They got Pablo Lopez. They got Jose Salas. They got Byron Churio. Both of those two guys are prospects. But then, obviously, they got Pablo Lopez, man, from the Marlins in exchange for Luis Arise, who was a huge bright spot on this team last year. But given the depth chart, they can afford to lose him given the middle infield that they could roll out there. Obviously, re-signing Carlos Correa is huge for that, but um, Royce Lewis, I think, will will play a little bit of second base, I presume, this year, with Carlos Correa back at short, or maybe third, I guess. They have a lot of guys who can play a lot of positions, so... Um, but third base is, is a little lighter now. They lost Miguel Sano, um, and then they lost Gary Sanchez out of their lineup. They lost Billy Hamilton. Uh, apparently he was on this team. But what they have is a decent-looking offense and decent-looking pitching staff. This team is just, like, good but not great in almost every aspect. They have a bright spot at every – you know, like they have a bright spot in their in their hitting. They have Carlos Correa, and they have Byron Buxton, and then they have a bright spot on their pitching staff, a really big bright spot. They have Pablo Lopez. He's a he's a good pitcher. He will be their ace. And then they have one of the best relievers in baseball and one of the most fun guys I've ever watched throw a baseball, uh, Juan Duran. Who, if you haven't watched him throw a baseball, go watch it right now. He is. Already, he was a rookie last year. He's already one of the best relievers in baseball, and it's not close. 
this team is similar to the uh, Twins, very health reliant, but more health reliant on like two guys, Correa and Buxton. Uh, otherwise, it's otherwise it's just a solid team. Like you got Jorge Polanco up the middle, who he'll play second base. Uh, my bad, he'll play second base with Carlos Correa. That's a good duo right there. Then at first base now you have Jose Miranda who plays first and third, and he's a very good baseball player. He's a great hitter. Uh, defensively better at first than at third base, but he'll have to do what he'll have to do. Uh, they trade for Michael A. Taylor. I thought that was a great trade as a backup for Buxton uh, at the plate. He's like, eh. but defensively, he's great. Great defensive center fielder. Um, and trading for a backup for Byron Buxton is more than they've done the past few years. And you know Buxton's going to get hurt. That is the story with Byron Buxton. He was absurd last year when he played. He played 92 games last year. He slashed 224, 306, 526 slugging, 135 OPS plus, 28 home runs in 92 games, six stolen bases, amazing defense, was the leading MVP candidate for the first month and a half of the season, and then, oh, he got hurt again. Of course, it's Byron Buxton. But now I appreciate they have at least Michael Taylor to back him up when he gets hurt. Uh, and then, of course, in the outfield, you have Max Kepler still. You have Joey Gallo. And then you kind of have, like, Alex Kirloff just kind of floating around who can play first. He can play um, both corner outfield spots. And he he's an intriguing guy. He hurt his wrist last year. Um, so he didn't play a whole lot after he came up, uh, but he looks fine. He, he's not a rookie anymore. He came up in 2021, but um, serviceable backup for sure. I just think that wrist injury really hurt him last year, even when he was playing. Um, but I think he'll play first base this season along with Jose Miranda potentially. So it's it's a good lineup. I think they're missing one more big bat in here, but it's a lineup that projects to be pretty good uh, top down. It's honestly just a bunch of solid, solid hitters with decent backups at each position. Um, the X factors being Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa's health. Obviously, Carlos Correa's health is a very big uh, talking point in the major leagues this year. Uh but he'll probably play 120 games and be really good when he does. It's interesting. It's so wild he ended up back on the Twins, but I'm glad he did. Um, and the Twins have expressed no problem with spending money if they really like a guy like Correa. I know the owner specifically loves Carlos Correa, so I'm sure he was over the moon that he was even had the chance to re-sign him because they're obviously we're not going to compete with those big teams for those huge deals. But he fell back in their lap, and they brought him back. And I know they really like him, and he's a great player. So that's huge. Like, without Carlos Correa on this team, I had huge question marks, even with Royce Lewis looking good when he played last year. Uh, that's another thing. Royce Lewis, I think he'll play third now, at least when he comes up. He got hurt last year, but when he played, he looked every bit as advertised uh, as a top prospect on the left side of the infield. So I don't know what the, I don't know if the injuries will affect him. He's had injuries throughout his career, which is worrisome. 
and it was a knee thing last year, and he was out for the year. So that is my only thing with Royce Lewis is if he stays on the field, he is clearly going to be a good player. Can he stay on the field? Uh, at least there's less pressure on him to be a fantastic shortstop now that Correa is going to be there for the next five years. But that is kind of an interesting little wrench into things. Uh, they have just a lot of outfielder surplus. So there was so much talk of Max Kepler getting traded this offseason or even the middle of last year. And I still think he might because they have... Uh, they have Buxton, they have Kepler, Gallo, uh, Michael Taylor, Alex Kirloff, Trevor Larnick. In they just have these a lot of outfielders right now. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with this offense. But I like it. I like it. Even losing Urshela and like Gary Sanchez, I still like this offense. The catching position, I don't have as much questions about anymore because they signed Christian Vasquez, and then they have Ryan Jeffers, who will back him up, and Ryan Jeffers is a fine major league player who projects to be a better defender than he is a hitter. Uh, But then let's get to the pitching staff. Let's get to the pitching staff. So as I mentioned, in the bullpen, Yohan Duran is tremendous. He will... Um, I actually don't know if he'll be their closer. He'll be the higher leverage guy. So if that is a save, that's a save. If it's not, if it's in the eighth, he'll come in in the eighth. He will come in when they need to put a fire out, and he will most likely put that fire out. He is electric, projects to be a top 10 reliever in baseball easily. Electric stuff. Uh, awesome. Awesome reliever. Not much else to say about you on drone. Uh, they have a lot of solid options here. Trevor McGill. Jorge Lopez projects to, to save some games from this year. Uh, Giovanni Moran. Uh, Emilio Pagan is, is fine, you know. Patrick Murphy's all right. Griffin Jacks is okay. He'll throw a lot of innings out there. Cole Sands is a pitcher. Um, Caleb Tiber, I, Tybar, I think is how you say his name. He had a good year last year and projects to be great this year again. Um Maybe we'll see Chris Paddock enter this, enter uh, not the rotation, the bullpen once he gets healthy later this year. I don't know. This this bullpen, like the rest of this team, is just good. They have Yolanda Duran, who's elite, and they have a bunch of just good players. Uh, and it's hard looking at this team predicting why they might not win this division or at least really compete for it. Because their rotation, while it's not the flashiest rotation in baseball, they have basically six, seven, if you want to include Paddock, who's hurt. Just like number three in the rotation, guys, for most teams. I think all of these guys are viable major league pitchers who are good, but not great. They're not fifth starters. They're not number one starters. They're not aces. They're not fifth six starters they're all just solid so Pablo Lopez Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan I will be probably the one two three and then following that Tyler Molly Kenta Maeda and Bailey Ober uh Bailey Ober I think was underrated last year honestly I think he kind of slid under the radar and had a silently very good year better than his 
uh, numbers suggested, expected numbers, not as good. But the actual numbers look pretty decent, and there's not as much pressure on him. And I honestly think he's a really good sixth option as a rotation piece. Uh, but Pablo Lopez is great. That was a great trade. Probably the biggest trade asset this offseason to be traded. Uh, that was a good trade for them. He is just good. He's just a good pitcher. And then Sonny Gray, still solid, going to hit for agency after this year, but still a good pitcher. I mean, Joe Ryan had a great rookie year last year, kind of had a fantastic start, not I, and fell a little bit back down to earth <clears throat> later in the year. But he uh, is a pretty good pitcher again, just a good pitcher. Same with Tyler Molly, same with Kenta Maeda. I don't have any problems with this rotation. It's not amazing. It's not bad. The thing I love about the rotation is all of them project to throw a decent amount of innings. Obviously, it's hard to project pitchers, and randomly pitchers can get hurt. That's just how pitchers work. But all of them project to be just guys who will throw 150-plus for them this year, which is great. If they don't have to worry about replacing any of these guys, fantastic. Even if they need to, like, one of these guys could get hurt, and then Bailey Ober would slide into the rotation and be fine. Uh, another guy gets hurt, Simeon Woods Richardson slides into rotation and is fine. Another guy gets hurt, they try opener and use a strength in their bullpen to, to play out those games. I just think they're set up to be a high-floor team. I don't think they're worse than like 75 wins, and if everything goes right, they could be a 90-win team. But that being said... They're projected for 84-ish, and then the over-under set on them is around 82.5. What I'm going to do, I'm going to smash the over. They're going to win more than 82.5 games. The Twins are going to win 90 games and win this division. I'm I'm saying it. They're going to place over the Guardians, and they're going to win the division. That's my bold prediction. I'm all on the Twins. I like this team. I like what I'm looking at. I just like it. I that's all I that's all I got to say on the Twins. I like this team, man. I like them. I like them. It's just a deep team. It's it's we it's weird team. It's just deep. Everyone is good and they have a lot of good replacements with a couple of superstar potential guys, you know. So, the floor of this team is really high and I think they get a couple leads and let the bullpen do the rest. And God willing, we see Buxton play 100-plus and Correa play 100-plus. And we're in for a decent season from the Twins. Part of it, I, I was weird last year, is their team was pretty good. They were pretty healthy. And they just they won 78 games. Like, they were just mid. Uh, but I think things go better for them this year. I think having Michael Taylor being a replacement for Byron Buxton when he eventually gets hurt is was a very underrated move and really smart. I think trading Luis Rise a surplus for Pablo Lopez is a really good move. I just I think this is a good team and I I think they're going to win the division. I'll say it. I think they're going to do it. But now we'll get to the crown jewel of this division last year, the Cleveland Guardians. What is there to be said about the Cleveland Guardians? Great season last year. Great season last year. They won 92 games. They almost beat the Yankees in the wildcard series. They took them 
uh, or not the wild card, sorry, my bad, the DS. They took them to five. They almost won. So close, uh, but fell just short. Just short. This is a good baseball team, man. The Guardians have really, them and the Rays, the front offices, have just been, it's just been a master class of working with what you've got because, like the Rays, um, whether they like it or not, the ownership will not spend based on their market size and the owners don't have, you know, that much money, I guess, compared to the other owners. But what they do with that money is tremendous. Like, they were the youngest team in the league last year with one of the lowest payrolls, and they won 92 games. And that was by design. That was no fluke. This team has a particular brand of baseball they play. Very old school, very contact-heavy, really good pitching, really good defense, grinding out games. You don't want to play this team because they're just frustrating. Fundamentally really sound um, with a, a really, really good manager in Terry Francona and just a good team who constantly supplements their roster with really good rookies, really good player development. Uh, Their pitching development has just been the best in baseball the past few years. They take these college arms who sometimes are underwhelming but have a good tool, and they transform them into fantastic major league pitchers. I can't talk about how much I love what the front office does with this team. And the best part is they have the superstars. They have Jose Ramirez, who still, I think, is really underrated. I think Jose Ramirez is one of the more underrated guys in baseball and has been for so long. A guy of his size should not be able to hit for that much power and steal that many bases. He puts up 25 and 25 every year and gets on base at a crazy clip and does not strike out. It's insane. He's so good. Uh, Andres Jimenez had a coming out party last year. Great season. Uh, just looks like a really, really good second baseman. Someone that the Mets probably wish they held on to, potentially. Ahmed Rosario, great shortstop. Really solid player out there. Just solid on both sides of, of, of the ball. Good hitter, good defender. Like, Stephen Kwan came up last year as a rookie, had a sensational year. Um, in the conversation for Rookie of the Year as well, just unfortunate that Julio and Adley Rushman existed. He was a solid number three, and that's no slight to Stephen Kwan. Uh, just a unicorn player. Luis Arise like I think Luis Arise was the only guy in the league who had a lower whiff rate. Like, Stephen Kwan, when he swings at the bat, hits the ball 90% of the time. That's insane. He had 54 walks and 87 strikeouts last year. No, no. 62 walks and 60 strikeouts last year. In his rookie season, he got on base at 373 clip. Just a classic hitter. Prototypical hitter. Not a very big guy. And clearly has been working his ass off to hit the ball as much as possible and not strike out and and he sees the ball really well he walks a lot he's talked about this i've heard him talk about this in an interview there's a clear ichiro influence with his swing and just the way he fights off pitches the way he 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 hits the ball he does the best with what the pitcher gives him 
I can't talk enough about how much I really like Stephen Kwan. And he was pretty solid in left field defensively last year, too. And there's projects to be a fantastic player who will remain healthy for a long time. And he also was good on the base path last year as well. Uh, he stole, I want to say, 20 bases last year. Then you have Miles Straw in center field, who was just elite defensively, really fast. Um, and another guy at the plate who just is a really good at bat guy. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. He walks a decent amount uh, and just puts the ball in play. And then you have Oscar Gonzalez, who's playing and will be playing a lot of right field for them this year. Uh, defense leaves a little bit to be desired, but his offense plays. And then you have just a wild card out there, Josh Naylor at first base and he DHs. You just have a wild card in the middle of this team who's fundamentally sound and plays really good at baseball and doesn't talk shit. You have Josh Naylor who just is the such a disrespectful baseball player it's amazing he had that rock the baby celebration i want to say i think it was against garrett cole uh, against uh, the yankees the yankees fans were less than pleased about that he talks his shit and he backs it up man he's a good ball player he can hit he can hit he's got good power and that plays in that ballpark he again like all of the other players on this team to a little bit of a lesser extent uh, but league average-wise, great strikeout rate, good walk rate. And, again, just a wild card who also has a brother named Bo Naylor who will come up and play for this team as well. Uh, he plays catcher, though. And I think I don't think he'll open the year on the Major League squad, um, due in part because they signed Mike Zanino, but I expect him to get a lot of play as the year goes on he'll get called up eventually and uh i don't know a whole lot about him i know i think his offense still has to kind of come along a bit but defensively i think they're encouraged by what they're seeing from him um, and as i just mentioned they signed mike zanino who's awesome and good he's good at baseball love mike zanino otherwise they didn't do much they made a couple trades that won't make a huge deal I'm sure the players they got back in the trades will become really good major league players somehow because that's just how it works. Uh, they lost Austin Hedges, who's still elite defensively, but they signed Mike Zanino, who is a little bit worse version of of uh, Austin Hedges, but they got him and Bo Naylor at the catch position, so they're fine. And then they're a big free agent signing for them, which is crazy. They actually spent money. was Josh Bell. Uh, Josh Bell, a guy who fits the bill for this team specifically. He will be DHing probably for the most part because um, uh, defensively at first I don't think it's great. Um, but they have the option of him or uh, Josh Naylor over there at first and DH. But uh, great signing, honestly. He... Again, he walks a good amount. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. He's consistently brought his strikeout rate down since um, getting traded from the Pirates in 2020, or um, after leaving the Pirates after 2020. Um, good power guy. Lefty power will play in that ballpark, but he's a switch hitter, one of the better switch hitters in baseball, um, and will just get on base and be a good guy in the middle of that lineup. I think that was a great signing. Uh, this team just this offense projects to be really good again 
for reasons that we haven't seen in baseball for a while. Just low strikeout rate, high contact rate, really good speed on the base pass, really intelligent on the base pass too. It's not that they're just fast. They make really good decisions on the base pass, which lead to more runs. And then the pitching, again, like I've said, their pitching development is fantastic. Um, they got Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, Aaron Savali, uh, Cal Quantrill, Zach Plesac, uh, Cody Morris made his debut last year with this team. They project to be pretty damn good again. I The only issue is I, major league level um, starting pitching as a little bit of a depth issue. However, I if anyone has prospects in the wings ready to pitch for them, it's the freaking Guardians. Unfortunately, their number one prospect, Daniel Espino, just got hurt, which sucks. But I know they have uh, they have Gavin Williams, they have Tanner Bibby, they have Logan Allen who will pitch for this team this year. They have Xavier Curry who will pitch for this team this year. All prospects, all who I greatly trust will be solid because it's the guardians and it's their pitching development that is just fantastic so pitching depth i i only see as an issue because we don't we haven't seen those rookies yet but i have full confidence that they'll be pretty good shane bieber we know who shane bieber is he will throw 200 innings he doesn't strike out at an elite rate but fantastic control doesn't walk a lot of guys just a good pitcher Pitches to ground balls a lot, which plays with that great defense. Just a really good ace. Tristan McKenzie took a huge step forward last year. Awesome pitcher to watch. Um, his curveball has really come along. His fastball command has looked fantastic. Yeah, he, he struck out less guys last year than 2021, but his command was way better. Uh, and it really shows in his numbers. Uh, really improved in a fantastic year and just an awesome dude as well. So that's a fantastic one-two punch. And then you have Aaron Savali, Kyle Quantrill, and Zach Plesak, who are all just good pitchers. They're all just good guys who pitch to contact, um, and it works well with that defense. So the pitching staff, largely unchanged from last year. Uh, the bullpen as well, largely unchanged from last year. Uh, projects to be really good. They have um, James Karinchak, who I hate, but he was he had a good year last year. Eli Morgan is solid. Um, Aniel De Los Santos looks like he's going to be a good pitcher out of the bullpen this year. Trevor Steffen, Sam Henches, uh, Cody Morris, who I mentioned made his debut as a starter last year, but I'm assuming will slot into the bullpen for them this season. And then, of course, they have Emmanuel Classe as their closer, who is as elite as a reliever can get. Him and Edwin Diaz were probably the two best Closers last year in baseball, it's not even close. He had a 1.36 ERA last year in 77 games, 72 and two-thirds innings, made 42 saves, struck out almost 10 guys per nine. Low walk rate for how hard he throws the ball. It's amazing to watch him pitch because he has one of those crazy things in sports where it doesn't matter if you know it's coming. It's going to be insanely effective and i'm talking about his cutter his triple digit cutter he throws 102 miles an hour he could throw that like he does pitchers or not pitchers batters you can see 
that they know it's coming and it's impossible to hit still. Guys have talked about this. It might be the most unfair pitch in baseball. Guys have been like, yeah, you know that cutter is going to be thrown half the time in that at bat, maybe 100% of the time in your specific at bat. But to catch up to it and turn on it is impossible. It's an impossible pitch, and he has it. He's fantastic. He's exactly what this team needs. Like The team gives him a one-run lead, and you're very confident you're going to win that game. Uh, they That's how they play, man. Contact, on base, great base running, great defense. And then their, their starters always give them a chance to win. And then if you have a lead late in the game, good luck. Good luck because this team will shut you down. It's a great team. Uh, the projections, interestingly enough, they're projecting them around 86. So way higher than what they are projected for last year. Um, I'll take the over. I, I'll take the over on this team. Uh, the over set by... Bet MGM is 87 and a half. I will take the over. Um, even though I said the Twins were going to win the division, I just talked myself into, you know, the Guardians will probably win this division. But listen, I said what I said. We'll come back at the end of the season. And if my hot take's correct, then I will clip that Twins stuff and put it on the internet. And if I was wrong, you'll never hear it again. So. I'll take the over on 87 and a half. They won 92 last year. They'll, I'm sure they'll win 90 again this year and be a little pest in the playoffs. But this team's really fun to watch. Very different brand of baseball than what a lot of teams are playing right now. Uh, and it's kind of refreshing. Um, and I'm really excited to see what Stephen Kwan does in his sophomore season. Uh, I don't know what there even is to do from here. Like, how can you improve on that? It was such a good season. I guess he can. It's hard to strike out less than he did. I guess he could get slightly better defensively, steal more bases. I don't know. It's He's just, he's awesome. He's awesome to watch. And then obviously, Jose Ramirez. I love watching Jose Ramirez. But uh, I'm also intrigued. The big thing this year I'm intrigued about with this team, the biggest thing is Tristan McKenzie. Can Tristan McKenzie repeat the great success he had last year? I hope so. I hope so. He projects to not have as good of a year, but still a good year. Because uh, last year, he man, he ended the season. His numbers were so good. He had a 2.96 ERA with 191 innings pitched, uh, which is pretty insane. Uh, and he struck out almost nine guys per nine innings, which is such a good year. Can he do it again? Can he do it again? That's my big thing. I think he will. I think he'll pitch similar to last year. It wasn't a fluke. His stuff looked great. He looked really confident on the mound. Um, Slim Reaper type up there on the mound, if you know what I'm talking about. But that is the Guardians, and that is the AL Central. I'll wrap up with my hot take of who's winning this division. The Twins will win this division. It'll go Twins. It'll go Guardians. It'll go White Sox. It'll go Royals, and then it'll go Tigers. And that's how it's all going to shake out. Go to Vegas. Run to Vegas right now. Put all of the money you can on those over-unders that I told you. You'll win a lot of money. Trust me. Gambling's easy. Uh, But no, this division will be interesting to watch. It'll be another slugfest, uh, just a grit and grind type division. 
but I am excited to see, can the White Sox remain healthy? Can the Twins just kind of chug along and play good baseball and be solid and solid enough to win in the high 80s? Can the Guardians repeat on their surprising success of last year and make it to the playoffs and win the division again? Can the Tigers not completely suck? And can the Royals' young hitters take another step forward? Uh, We'll see all in this season, and I'm excited about it. So thank you for listening this far. These podcasts are going to be a little bit longer. If you are listening right now and made it this far, I love you. I would give you a big smooch on the forehead uh, because it's an hour and a half, but it's a season preview for a whole division, so they're not going to be short. But I appreciate you listening. Please rate and review, recommend to your friends. Uh, these season previews, I do a lot of Mariners stuff, but these season previews are for obviously for, for everyone to to listen up, to project and talk about what's going to happen this year with the broader MOP. So any friends of any of these AL Central teams that you, you think they might like what I have to say, uh, please recommend us. So I appreciate it again. Uh, have a good rest of your day. And be on the lookout within the next week-ish for the NL Central preview. Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye.